building, as you know, is further along, much further along than what that portrayed. And you're asking, well, when are we going to get in it, right? That, that wasn't a very enthusiastic response. I'm thinking, man, a little. So we think we're going to get in it in order to worship on Christmas Eve. That's seven weeks from today. That's what we think. Anything can happen. I don't know if you've ever built anything or not, but anything can happen. And guess what? God is still God if we don't get in then. But we are going to hope that we can do that, and we'll have a couple of worship services on Christmas Eve, and then we'll have a grand opening in January. More about that later. But I'm very excited about that building, and I'm very excited about the building and, and the way that it's going to be a phenomenal tool and place for us to advance our mission. And so that's what this is about. We're talking about forward. And what, we, what we're hoping to do is be really clear about the why. Why is there a First Presbyterian Church? And we want to be really clear. And today I want to even use the term DNA. Who are we or what are we about? Why are we? And what does that mean we're going to do with the why? How are we going to make the why happen? Okay, so here's why we are. And we, it's going to come up on the slide. A big, inspiring, game-changing goal of the First Presbyterian Church. B-I-G, big, inspiring, game-changing. And then we can call it a big, big, real relationships, real transformation. And what we mean by that is people who are authentically relating to God and to each other, God goes to work in transformation of life, of our world, of our, this, our city, our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces. Transformation happens when people are authentically, genuinely attached to Jesus and attached to each other. And so that's the big why. That's the reason we exist. That's our purpose for living. And so we're finding our way at First Presbyterian Church to put some bullet points underneath that. What are some things about the what's or the how's? How are we going to go about doing that? And so one of the things that we're going to say, and we talked about it two weeks ago, the first one, we're not going to go back all through two weeks ago, but we said the people who want to be engaged in real relationships and want to experience real transformation, they pursue Jesus, right? That's what happens to them. So pursue Jesus is one of the things we do. And we're always going to talk about that, we're, and we're always going to talk about pursuing Jesus. Jesus, by the way, pursues us, and I hope you'll sense the connection with Jesus that's happening because of what we're celebrating later this morning. He went after us. He keeps coming after us. God went first. God loves first. God is first, and God will always pursue you and me in the person of Jesus Christ, and that's a part of the meaning of what we're doing here. And your life transforms when you allow yourself to get caught by him. Oh, Yeah. But there's another element that we want to focus in on today, and we're not just going to pursue Jesus. We're going to connect with people. We're doing it on purpose, high intentionality. We're saying, the, what's the DNA of people who want to live in real relationships that result in real transformation? It's people who pursue Jesus and pursue each other. Connecting is the term we're trying to use here. So you and I are being encouraged, nurtured, challenged, nudged, beckoned to Shout to, to intentionally pursue Jesus and intentionally pursue real relationships with each other. That's what God's people do. And that's how change happens, transformation happens. That's what's going on here. You got what is a church? The Greek word in the New Testament, ekklesia, it means the called out ones. So just listen carefully to what I'm trying to say. Let me distinguish something for you. Though churches have buildings, the building isn't the church. This is fantastic, but it's not the church. It's the place that the church gathers 
and it matters tons. The building matters. Churches own buildings, but the building is a tool in the hands of the God who's at the center of the church. A church, church is not events, although churches have events, and events are awesome, and we need to have events. One of the events we're doing right now is we're gathered together, and in a sense, we're saying, yay, God. That's what worship is. It's the adoration, the response of self to God by saying, you're God, I'm not, this is awesome. Church isn't, and, but, but events help church be church. And church is not institutions, though institutions give us processes and procedures and structure in order to be the called out ones, ecclesia. So those are, those are things that are very real and very vital and very important, but it's, it's dynamically important to understand that at the heart and soul of church, it's about a family. It's about a community of people who are connected to each other and to God and who are working really hard to figure out what it is that God wants them to do, their part to play in God's program, God's business, God's purposes. God's putting heaven and earth back together again, and it's our family business. We get to be the people that help God do it, and God wants every human being on the planet to know his love. So Buildings and events and institutions are tools in the hands of the called out ones to go and be God's people, to have real relationships, real transformation. So, so we connect, we pursue Jesus on purpose, and we connect on purpose in order to be a part of all of that. And here's, here's the tension point I want you to try to wrestle with today. When we're talking about connecting, this is the truth that we want to wrestle with. We need the right people in our lives. I need the right people in my life. You need the right people in your lives. If we're going to on purpose connect, it needs to be the right kind of people. And what do I mean by the right kind of people? Oh, is this fun to talk about? The right people are people who pursue Jesus. The right people are the people who on purpose with intentionality also connect with other people. The right people are people who are authentic. Don't, isn't that what you want? You want to be deep in friendship with people who are authentic, who are real. You want to be with people who are relationally safe. And one of the really powerful things that makes relationships safe confidentiality. That's what we want. We need that. The right people pursuing Jesus, pursuing other people, relationally safe. You want the kind of people who are come as you are people. The right people you and I want to have in our lives are people who are it's okay not to be okay people. That's what we want. Isn't that what we want? We want people that we can, sometimes we say it this way, do life together. Don't you? Don't you want people you can, you want to be authentic, you want confidentiality, you want safety, you want to be able to do life together. Life is hard. Where can we talk about our families and our jobs and our dreams? Where is a safe place where as the family of Jesus we can talk about people who we love and care about, who are close to us but maybe far from God? And where can I talk about what I'm doing to try to be loving and relational and build a, fri a, bridge, a fringe, friendship bridge to invite them into this family? Where can you talk about your hurts? 
Where can we talk about our children if you're raising them? We need, you need, I need the right kind of people in our lives. And that's the kind of people that God is making when people pursue Jesus and on purpose connect with each other. And when we do them both together, I'm pulling them apart just to talk about them for an analysis. And there are two more coming, by the way, next week and the week after. So there's going to be, in our DNA, there's going to be four pieces that we're going to talk about. Real relationship, real transformation, bullet point A, B, C, D. There are going to be four of them. And we're just pulling them apart. So come back. But, oh, that's the kind of people that I want to have in my life. It's important to realize that we're not making anything up that's new. Okay, this is, this is really old. It started day one when Jesus, the Jesus movement launched. So we're going to get another look at the same text we've been looking at. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, right? And this is, here's, here's what this is. This is the way these people went about things. It's like, it's like what, what Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is telling us is the, the Jesus people were trying to grow some franchises. Okay, it's like Chick-fil-A. You go to Chick-fil-A, those people, by the way, are awesome. You go in there and you say thank you to them, and you know what they always say back? My pleasure. Their DNA. They, they train their people, and they, they got people who really mean it. When they serve you so well, you say, thank you. They say, it's my pleasure. And I believe them when they tell me that, even when they don't mean it. <laughs> and I, this, is a, this is a digression. What I'm about to say is not in my notes, but I'm going to Chick-fil-A soon without the jalapeno peppers, and I'm going to have me a Chick-fil-A grilled chicken sandwich with pimento cheese on it. That's what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> because I know it's going to be good because those people's DNA is to do what they do and do it really well. So in the first Presbyterian church and in the church of Jesus, in the Jesus movement, there's ways that we do things. It's our DNA. It's the way that we make happen real relationship, real transformation. We connect with people. Look carefully at the text. The first thing I want to do is draw attention to the fact that some of it is highlighted in yellow. And what I want you to hear is the connection going on in the life of this group. Okay? It's about we. It's not about me. It's about us. It's not about I. It's about ourselves. It's not about myself. Watch carefully. Just notice the highlighted yellow words. Here we go. Two slides to get through this. And I'm going to turn because it's not highlighted back here where I'm reading, if you don't mind. Online folks, I hope you can see it. I, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, first together, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. Notice what Kathy talked about earlier about meeting needs because people give generously to meet needs because they know about each other's needs. They sell their property and possessions, making liquid assets so they can help people when they have need. Every day they continue to meet in the temple courts. Word about the temple courts in Jerusalem. The temple Courts are about a 35 or 45, 40-acre site, so it's huge. 
great big huge gigantic thing if you've ever been there you know what i'm talking about but there's lots of room for lots of meetings and lots of small groups and lots of conversations lots of little huddles lots of people sitting together talking praying whatever so it's a big gigantic site and people would go there in order to be doing life together the way we're talking about right now so the temple courts they broke bread in their homes meaning they had food together they had pimento cheese on top of grilled chicken on a sandwich that's what they did and they did it a lot and they ate together together with glad and sincere hearts. Well, of course my heart is sincere. I just had pimento cheese on top of chicken. How could I not be happy? That's what's going on. You're happy when you're having meals. It's great fun. It's having meals. It's like a party. They're constantly with each other, enjoying each other's company, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. In other words, the word was out that these people really care about each other. When I said earlier, we need the right kind of people in our life. And when others can see that the right kind of people are a part of your life, and that you're loving and you're caring and you think about others and all the other great things that happen to us when we're transformed, trust me, the world notices. When people see you loving each other well, they notice. And you know what? They want in. They want it. Because most folks, knowingly or unknowingly, respond to when they see genuine, authentic relationships. They want a part of it. So they're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And look what happens at the end of it. And God adds to their number... So what we have going on here in the movement of Jesus is intentionality. Let me make something really clear here. This didn't just happen. The, very, the second word in the English translation, they devoted. The Greek verb, proskotereo, it means they persisted. They decided. They intentionalized every day, all the time. It wasn't something that just happened. They couldn't stay away from each other. They, on purpose, were choosing to be together over and over again. Notice it was, wasn't just one event a week. It was every day, all kinds of stuff. They were doing life together. They were responding to needs. They were outward focused because people were getting in on the deal and the onboarding into this new family. And they, that over and over and over again, they were finding a way to be people that loved other people well the way they had been loved. <clears throat> so in the back of the room, one of the ways we talk about connecting is this thing called life groups. And a life, So there's lots of ways people can get together, but a life group is a group of 5 to 12 or 13. It means they're meeting together on a regular basis, weekly, and they're, they're talking about life, and they're talking about their personal lives, and there's a truth of some sort that they're using from the right now media that's always focused on Scripture or whatever. Maybe they're using our sermon notes from, from today for tomorrow and the next day, whatever, and people gather and they meet together. And so <clears throat> on the, count, the counter in the back are flyers for you, and what I'm doing is saying is on purpose, if you're not in a group, I'm inviting you to consider joining a group. I'm inviting you to consider joining a life group. You might also instead want to consider joining one of Kathy's service groups, but this morning I'm just selling life groups. And guess what? I get no bonus. <laughs> if you are in one or not, I don't get paid more or less, and I ain't never going to quit talking about them. Because why? Because real relationships result in real transformation. In my experience as a Jesus follower, I started when I was 18 years old, but before I even really fully committed myself to Jesus, I was 17, I was in a group with knucklehead boys who were in high school like me, and except for moving to California, 
it took us a while when Kathy and I moved to California to go to seminary. And move, I've been in a life group ever since. Why? Because I can't keep away from them. I don't want to not be with the fellows. I don't want to not be men and women. Some of, them, some of the groups I've been in have been just men. Some have been mixed. I can't, I can't not. I mean, I don't, I don't want something from you. Jesus doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. So when we're selling, and I, I, I'm playing, when, when we're talking about joining on purpose other people, it's for you. But let, let's do this. Let's have a little fun. Let's notice the objections we might hear when someone says, like Fitz says, you should join a group. You with me? Look at those. You like them? Just see, notice I'm already a come-as-you-are kind of a person, even though I know there's objections left and right. And it's, it's okay. If, you, if you're one of these and you ain't moving, I get it. I love you anyway. It ain't got nothing to do with that. But just, I'm too busy. Okay. But I don't need it. Maybe, maybe you do. <laughs> maybe you don't know you need it, but maybe you do. <laughs> Again, we need the right people in our lives. And yes, we're, we're all busy. Who are these people? <laughs> well, if they're the right kind of people, I've already said who they are. They're trying to be authentic. They're practicing confidentiality. They're safe. They're people who want to be around other people who figure that it's a good thing to be around people who, where it's okay not to be okay. It's a come as you are people. That's who they are. And I promise you, you're shocked when you get to know somebody and you start loving them and you didn't have any idea you would ever be close. That's who those people are. What do they want from me? Well, I already said that. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I want something for me. I want authentic, transparent, vulnerable, confidential friendships where I can talk about what really matters in my life. That's what I want. How much time or money does this cost? <laughs> well, th there's no money, but if you're in a life group, they try to meet for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes once a week. What will I get out of it? You'll get real relationship out of it. That's what you'll get. Here's one I really love. I'm a biblical ignoramus. And some folks will say I ain't going near one of the groups because I'm going to get exposed. I don't know nothing, and they're going to pick on me and make fun of me, and I'm going to be embarrassed. Uh-uh. You are not allowed in my group unless you're an ignoramus. <laughs> so, no, no, it's just, that's, I'm just being playful here, but I, I realize that some people feel they're going to get exposed, and that's not what a group is. It's just talking about life together, and yes, we're learning more about the truth of God that we know in Scripture. Absolutely. Scripture is the center of how we know what to think and what to do. One last one. I'm not going to tell them that. I get it. Trust is something that is earned. It grows. No one's going to put you in the middle of a circle and make you talk about something you don't want to talk about. It's 100% as we all grow together, we become a little more open, a little more transparent, a little more vulnerable. Oh, but we need these kind of people in our lives. You need them. I need them. I've known it a long time. I'd be a dead man. Now, I am a terminal extrovert, so I realize there's that that's going on. Some people really can't do a group of 5 to 13, but you can do a one-on-one. -on -one. Or a one on, you can have a group of four. And if you're an introverted perspective on things, maybe you'd be more comfortable with just three or four people. Or maybe you'd be one on one. If you want a one on one, we can help you. Just let me know. Let Kristen know. Here's what I want to do just a couple of portraits 
of the right kind of people kind of doing life together. And both of them have been mentioned already this morning. And I have my notes here to talk about these two families and what's going on. And we're going to mention the Powells and we're going to mention the Faircloths. So here's what I want you to know. The great apostle Paul, he he planted a church in the city of Corinth. It's in Greece. And he stayed and lived with them, building real relationships for about two years. All kinds of dynamics going on, like it always is with other human beings. But this is what Paul said in his first letter to the people in Corinth after he had planted the church and left. He wrote back and said, the family of Jesus is like a body, a human body. And when one part suffers, the whole part suffers. And when one part is joyful, the whole part is joyful. That's how life is with people who are connected with each other. So we're going to be sorrowful for a second. And the, the Ben Powell, they live in Quincy. And uh, McLean told it this morning he died. They had pancreatic cancer. And as is often the case with pancreatic cancer, by the time it's diagnosed, there's not a whole lot le- that you can do. And some of you have been through that in this room with members of your family or some, but we've been through it with people we care about. So here's Ben and, and Kathy Powell. Their daughter, Sarah, is married to Chris. Chris is one of our drummers, and his hair's not white on the top anymore, but he's up here banging on the skins a lot like Steve did this morning. And so we've gotten to know them, and Ben and Kathy would visit quite a bit, and then all of a sudden, he gets diagnosed. And here's what I want you to understand. Lots of us have stayed in touch with them, just little things like text messages and phone calls, but we had a, this, this past summer when we had Flat Jesus. Flat Jesus went to Shan's Hospital in Gainesville because Ben was in there. He felt connected to First Pres Tampa, though he's at a church in Quincy, and there's Flat Jesus, and he's got people talking about Jesus in the hospital in Shan's while he's battling cancer. And he, they've repeatedly said to us, because you've continued to take the initiative and, and extended to us in prayer. So what I hope you caught, but I'll remind you, what, what McLean said is Ben's battling cancer and they knew his prognosis wasn't great. All of a sudden, Kathy's having trouble and she has brain cancer. And she's, she's had surgery, but they couldn't get it all. And she's in treatment. So... You know, you hurt with people who are hurting. Uh, Chris, Chris, who is the son-in-law, Chris is married to Sarah. Chris and I are getting to be boys. He's the one that went with me to Tallahassee and drove back and got no sleep. Um, so he, Chris called me this morning, and he was in tears, and I was in tears. I'm a bit in tears right now. So they were, Kathy was on a hospital bed in their living room, and Ben was sleeping somewhere, I guess, on another hospital bed, and they were there together with him when he, when he died early this morning. So what the great apostle Paul says is that people who are on purpose connected with each other, we hurt with each other when we hurt. And so I'm inviting you. You, don't, you may not even know Sarah, but I'm inviting you to extend somehow, even in prayer, just pray for Ben and for Kathy Powell and Sarah Powell McDonald. Her married name is McDonald, and she has a sister, and she has a brother, and she has a, an aunt, all who are up in the area. And Ben was connected to the Presbyterian Church, and so, and so we, have some, we have connections. He's a Jesus follower. And so, he, as McLean said, we, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We have hope, and the hope is the resurrection. So I just want you to realize that this is a real thing, and here we are. Now, people that don't on purpose connect with each other don't have this kind of support in their lives. But that family, though they're in Quincy. You don't even know where Quincy is. That was a joke. Wasn't funny, was it? No, okay. They, they feel connected to us, just in our small ways. 
And they have a family of friends who are Jesus followers there, but we matter to them also. And, he, and Chris and Sarah have gone out of their way over and over again, and so did Ben. He, we would text message. He hasn't been able to do that recently. Well, that's one s- difficult story, and the other one is right here. This one's hard to talk about also. This, this, is, this is Jackie. <sighs> Yesterday was Jackie's 27th birthday. She was injured nine years ago on November 28th or 29th. may have been the wee hours of Saturday morning. It's a, this, a mixed family of Gators and Seminoles in Tallahassee for the Florida-Florida State game on Thanksgiving Saturday. And I think it was 2 o'clock in the morning, early Saturday morning, and Jackie was struck by a car, and I think the side-view mirror <coughs> struck her head. So nine years ago. And here she is. If you go on the Jackie Facebook page, you'll see Jackie. So she's sitting like on a wakeboard or something like that. But these were her colors, and they're staying here. They're not going away. Angie Giovinco brought them to the church that Sunday morning or that weekend, and here they are. And we're not going to not remember her. And I want you to know I constantly hear from the Faircloths about how much it matters that we pay attention to them with respect to our love and care for them. Because with Jackie, her brain and her body just didn't reconnect in all the right, and she's just, it's just not, she's not changing very much. And so it's just that, it's just there. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for the Powell family. And this is the other thing I want you to do. I want you to get a card, a happy birthday card, and I want you to write Jackie Faircloth a happy birthday note and I want you to bring that card back here, and we will get it to Kathy and John, and they will take it to her and read them to her. Now, you're going to say, well, I don't even know her. doesn't matter. She won't really know that you don't know her, and she loves it. And you're going to say, well, yesterday was her birthday, the 4th of November. doesn't matter. What I'm saying to you is that will bring joy to this woman. If you will fill out a card and bring it here, and we'll get it to her, just as, as if you can remember, get your phone out now make a note. Get Jackie a card, write something in it, and bring it back, and we'll get it to her. Because her countenance lifts when we're reading the cards to her. Ja- Kathy, I'm pointing to Kathy for those who are online. Kathy knew, knows Jackie and knew Jackie before her accident. Jackie was a teenager, teenager at Plant. She was a senior. She was about to graduate, and she was going off to college with all of her buddies. And so Kathy knows her before, during, and after, and she knows, that, and she's read cards to her. And, Kathy's, and Jackie's mom is with her a lot, and her dad is with her a lot, and her brother. Would, so anyway, you're going you're gonna to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to on purpose connect with each other in just practical, concrete ways, praying for the Powell family, getting a card. And here's the last thing I want you to do. I want you to, if you're not in a group, I want you to grab a flyer on your way out if you're a leader of a life group, get your head up on a swivel right now and be looking around for somebody because your name and picture is on that flyer and I want you to be looking for incoming targets. You know what I'm saying? So if somebody looks like they weren't trying to chase you down, maybe they're getting nudged to want to connect with the right kind of people. Maybe that's what's going on with them. Here's the connecting point. Here's what happens to us when we get connected to Jesus. We get pursued by. This is his body. This is his blood. I'm going to invite Kathy in.